Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. Welcome to episode 28 with Mary Camarillo, Susan Edwards, Karen Gersowitz, and Terry A. Repack. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We're here on Bookish Road Trip Live. Soon we'll be on Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. So we're so excited to have you here. If you are joining us live, please feel free to leave comments in the chat. We would love to answer your direct questions and have you interact with these amazing authors. Today we're gonna to be talking about politically charged and turbulent times, finding yourself in the world, finding yourself in your own backyard, and some delicious and extraordinary ways that we will be traveling around history and the books that these fine authors have created. It looks like we have uh, a little technical difficulty in that we've lost one of our authors, but they will pop back in and I will be excited to welcome them back uh, into the studio. So let's start right out with Mary Camarillo and your book, Those People Behind Us. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Grace. I'm very happy to be here on Lunchpad. Um, my book, Those People Behind Us, launched last Tuesday. It's my second novel. It's set in the summer of 2017. So it's post-Trump election, pre-pandemic, which honestly feels like historical fiction to me anyway. Uh, it's set in this uh, fictional town of Wellington Beach, California, which is a Southern um, California suburban coastal town, increasingly divided by politics, protests, and escalating housing prices. There are five characters. They're all dealing with financial problems, raising teenagers, dealing with elderly parents. They've got loss and loneliness and grief. And they're all searching for home in a community where a neighbor, in a neighborhood where no one can really agree who belongs there. For example, there's Ray Gorman, who is a Vietnam vet living with his aging mother. She's one of the original residents. And Ray is astounded by the cars his neighbors drive because they cost more than he ever made in a year. There's also a young 24-year-old uh, ex-con living in his car parked around the corner from his parents' house. He doesn't feel like he belongs in the neighborhood, but it's familiar and he's lonely. There's a young 16-year-old boy who's dealing with his father's abandonment by slamming on a drum set. Of course, he thinks this neighborhood is the most boring place in the world. There is an aerobics teacher who's new to the neighborhood. Uh, she's haunted by a horrific tragedy and she's moving away from her husband and towards reckless behavior. And then there's a real estate agent who kind of acts as a through line character. And she loves the neighborhood. She's fully invested in keeping the property values high. And she also is a sandwich generation woman. She's got teenagers. She's got a husband who spends too much money. And she's got a mother-in-law who knows how to push all of her buttons. <laughs> what so a these great... characters, don't, they don't seem like they have that much in common. But at the end, they find like they're more connected than they ever realized. What a great cast of characters, and I'm going to want to hear more about them in just a bit. It's Susan Edwards, tell us about What a Trip, a novel. Okay. Hi, Grace, and thank you for having me. Uh, my book is What a Trip, and it's the story. It's a coming-of-age story. It's a story of female friendship, 
story of first love, and it's set against the background of the Vietnam War era. So my main character is Fiona, and she is an art student at a New Jersey college. Her best friend is Melissa, who she's kind of getting into a lot of trouble. And Fiona, she's just struggling to find herself. She's not sure where her place is in the world. Um, and so the girls have to bond. And as the story progresses, it just kind of, you know, Fiona's questioning whether she wants to be friends with this kind of offbeat, off the ball kind of girl. Um, so that's going on. And then she meets Ruben, who is a political activist. He's a college student uh, a year ahead of her. And he is anti-war and he wants to go to Canada to avoid getting drafted. And the kind of the gist of the story is, does she go with him and give up her family, her friends and her life? Or does she stay at home with her, you know, very conservative parents and just kind of go with their wishes? So the other part of the story is that Fiona is at the cusp of the feminist movement, which was, of course, women's lib back then. So she's struggling with her identity as a young woman, and she's struggling with um, her parents' conservative beliefs. She's, she's a pacifist, and so she's kind of torn. And the story, it is historically, is a historical novel, but it also is a universal theme of friendship and coming of age. Well, thank you for that. And we do have people who are joining us today. I'm so excited to see um, some of our Facebook user friends. Barbara Conry is with us. Always uh, happy to have Barbara with us and each and every one of our Facebook viewers. From moving from a story that takes place around the 1970s to talking to an author who has been traveling on her own since she was 17, Karen Gersowitz, Wanderlust, Extraordinary People, Quirky Places, and Curious Cuisines. Tell us about your book. Okay, well, this is Wanderlust, and it is the second in a series of books about my travels. I have been traveling, as you said, since I'm 17. I've been to 95 countries, many of them many times, and a lot of the places, very, very unusual ones, under very unusual circumstances. I, My entire life has been designed around my absolute addiction to travel. That's the only word I can use for it. If I, during COVID, I was going crazy because I was homebound, but I learned about it. In fact, the, my book, the Wanderlust, is bookended by learning about New York when I was growing up. I grew up in Manhattan, and my mother taking me to ethnic restaurants and museums and cultural performances so that I could learn about the world. And then I had to see the places that I had learned about, and then I became completely hooked. And then it ends in New York when I cannot leave New York because of COVID, and I look at New York City as if I were a tourist and start discovering all these things about New York that I never knew existed. Like the example is that there are something like 200 plus parks in New York, and there's fabulous street art. 
So I started going to areas in Brooklyn and Queens and New Jersey to go see street art since I couldn't go to museums. And in between, I go to Australia and I go to, you know, very, very far flung places and like an opal mining village in Australia, which is not somewhere people typically go to. And look at people, places, and food. And that's and this is a follow-up to the first book, which is Travelmania. And that one is, whoops, I got to get it so you can actually see it. Um, same kind of thing, but again, going chronologically through my travels and, and how it impacted my life and how um, it's changed other people around me because of my travels. So... Well, a perfect bookend to that is to introduce Terry Repack, whose book is Circling Home, What I Learned from Living Elsewhere. So I think we've got a wonderful mix of authors today. Terry, tell us about your book. Well, my book chronicles the adventures we had over 30 years of living overseas, working and raising children in other countries and how at... uh, in the early 1990s, when we first moved to West Africa, I was full of fear, anxieties, stereotypes about what it would be like to live there, especially with two small children at the height of the AIDS epidemic and when malaria and AIDS were the leading causes of death there. We had a rough couple of months getting used to the intestinal bugs, the heat, the malaria meds, all sorts of things. But uh, my husband was directing an AIDS project that uh, I considered to be critical work at the time. And I could take my work anywhere. I was a freelance writer. So I, I told him I'd give him two years. And during that first year, reached out to expat women and others in the community that became like helpers and guides in learning how to make myself and my children feel at home in the country. And we became so, uh, so much at home there and, and so connected to the people around us that when I, I said that we could stay two more years and then two more years. So finally, at the end of six years, we decided to come back to the US, stayed in Atlanta for six years, And when my husband suggested going back to Africa, both of our kids who were then in junior high and high school were enthusiastic about it because they had such good experiences growing up overseas. In our second post, it was East Africa, very different landscapes, very different cultures. And all of us just plunged right in. Uh, I joined school board and started writing for a local magazine there did a volunteer work. Uh, the kids were very happy at the international school. And so we were all reluctant to leave at the end of three years there. We had an amazing time with family adventures. Um, like Karen, I climbed Kilimanjaro and uh, we as a family trekked across the Ngorongoro Highlands and climbed Mount Meru, um, dove in Zanzibar. It was really an amazing experience. So we came back and um, the children went off and to college and their own lives. And we went to my husband and I for one last post in Switzerland. It was much harder to make ourselves, make myself at home in Switzerland without my kids. 
but uh, we did stay four years, traveled to every country and island in Europe. And at the end of that time, when I moved to Seattle, decided to uh, distill the lessons I learned from living overseas all those years and meeting so many people. And so I write about that and about how important it is to travel and to live someplace with beginner's mind and go without letting stereotypes fill you full of fears and anxieties to also look for helpers and guides to to make connections in these other countries. Um, our kids are global citizens now. They speak French. They are very tolerant. And um, we all have a profound appreciation for peoples of other cultures. So, Oh, job well done. And that ties really back into what Mary was talking about in her book, trying to figure out our place in the world, seeking to understand where we are and certainly where we've been. Mary, let's go back to you to talk about why that was such an important theme for you. Well, I really like what Terry just said about not assuming people are a certain way and, and stereotyping people. I think you can do that in your own neighborhood as well. I, I think that's part, my, my town's a fictional town, but I think the problems in this town um, are happening all over America. And I think it's because we all tend to stay in our own lane and not listen to opinions we don't agree with. And we don't talk to each other that much. And we do make assumptions. So it was important to me to try to present these characters honestly and let them have their own viewpoints even though i may not agree with them just to like ha have them understand each other a little bit better they may not like each yeah. other but yeah. they might know where they're coming from a little bit better yeah can i ask a question <laughs> can i ask a question of terry where were you both in west africa and then in east africa oh i i'm sorry i didn't make that clear it was ivory coast for six years and tanzania for three so that's yeah. why we very had different yeah, yeah, very different. But if I could comment briefly on Mary's comment, um, I absolutely agree. I write in one chapter about a connection I made with somebody from my own country, not just the many people I befriended from other cultures. And he was an American who uh, was politically on the far side of the spectrum from me. And uh, over a week long trip together, we came to know each other, you know, and our, our family backgrounds and things like that. So reaching out to people in our own countries and neighborhoods is critical. It is, and in Susan's book, Susan, you describe your book as a coming of age novel in politically turbulent times. So we definitely have some themes that um, are resonating across some of our books. Um, and what, what are you get, trying to get your characters to understand about each other in the world? Well, um, so I, my three characters are Fiona, and she's she's a central character. She's a narrator, and she is just searching for an identity. And I mean, she she knows she's against war, against violence. She calls herself a pacifist, but she doesn't really know why. Um, Ruben, who is her first love. He's very outspoken. He's very demonstrative. Um, he drags her down to Washington, D.C. to a lot of the anti-war rallies. So through him, I mean, she's trying to identify who she is through him. Uh, her friend, Melissa, 
doesn't really care. She's just kind of out of touch with the world. She's more interested in the occult, tarot cards, witchcraft, which was a big fad back then too. So um, that's really where she's at. And she's just kind of a lost soul. And uh, so, you know, you've got these characters all kind of just trying to find their place in the world as in Mary's story as well. Um, they travel, Melissa and Fiona travel to Florida. They take a train trip and they kind of explore themselves and the world. That's Fiona's really first chance out of her New Jersey confines. And then with Ruben, as I said, they do go to a lot of anti-war rallies. And then, you know, looking at Canada, is this something she wants or is this, you know, is she giving up herself to go with him? Lots of choices. Karen, yeah. I like the title of your book in terms of Extraordinary People, Quirky Places, and Curious Cuisine. Um, let's start with some of the extraordinary people. Oh, there's a lot of them. And a lot of them are not people that you would suspect um, would be particularly unusual. I was in a campground um, in the United States at, um, oh, I'm going to lose it, the Devil's Tower. And I met these two women who I became fascinated with, who called themselves the cabin doctors. And what they did was they traveled around to various national campgrounds and private campgrounds and repaired cabins. And they didn't have a home. They were sisters and simply traveled around and had a trailer. And they had been doing it for three years when I met them. And I was fascinated by the lifestyle that they had developed for themselves and curious about how they managed to even pull it off without having a place that centered them. And because I have to, despite the fact of how much I travel, I want to be home sometimes and have a place that's home. And they didn't have one. And so for me, it was a really interesting experience to, to understand their lifestyle. Another one was a, a guy who I met in Morocco, an American. And but there are other people other than Americans in here who I meet, but he was an American who decided that he was Muslim. And he looked to me like a guy from Iowa and, you know, had been raised, I think, Lutheran and decided that he was going to be a Muslim. And I was fascinated by the choices he made. And interestingly enough, he was a writer and but wrote about things that were so foreign to anything I could imagine. And, and seemed so unlikely. And so I sort of followed him around for a while and got to know him. And, you know, there's a just, it, you can't help when you travel except to meet people. And if you're at all curious to find out what their backstory is. And you incorporate those, each of those aspects into your book. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. Carrie, I'd like to go to you because one of the things you talk about in the blurb about your book is about bearing witness to a global stage. Would you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was um, the hardest part about our first sojourn in Ivory Coast. We became very close to a guard who worked at our house. Uh, Anybody attached with the American government had to have a, a guard 
So we got to know this man very, very well. And he played with our children, chased them around the yard with squirt guns. And, and that man, um, a year after we moved there, developed AIDS and died a very miserable death. And it was at a time when no meds were available that would stave off the disease. And it was it was something that we had to witness again at the end of our stay there. A man who came to cook for us from time to time also developed AIDS and he and his wife and infant child all died of AIDS within a year. When we went back to Africa uh, in Tanzania, there were medicines available and the push by the US government then was to get as many people as possible on these life-saving medications. So it was a much more uplifting time. And I would go to home health visits with people that my husband knew or connections with the AIDS project and talk to people who were taking the meds, living with AIDS, and who were community volunteers working with these people. So that's the kind of witness I was trying to bear. What amazing stories each of you bring forward to us. Mary, let's talk switching gears a little bit about pacing. Um, you know, one of you describes your book as a fast paced novel. Others of you are traveling around the globe. In your own writing, how, do you how did you decide on the pace of your book? Well, I write in present tense pretty much all the time. And I think that gives kind of a cinematic quality. I think it puts the reader right in the story. Um, with this book, I tried to make the chapters a little bit shorter. Um, this is a rotating point of view book. So I had to make sure I had the voices really clear so you would know which character's head you were in. Um, yeah, and I, I really start with character and just try to give them a lot of problems and see how they're gonna solve them. I, it's amazing to me when a little plot comes together because that's not how I start. I'm definitely a seat of the pants kind of writer. Um, give the characters trouble and see how they're going to solve them. So. Oh, um, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't either. <laughs> but I'm very impressed. Susan, what about yourself? You describe your book as a fast paced book. So how did you choose your pacing? And then let's talk about a little bit about point of view, how that all comes out with your diverse characters. Okay, well, um, to be honest, I have, I am mentally and physically hyperactive. So I think that's reflected in my writing. I don't mince words. Um, I, my writing, I like to think it's very concise and very to the point. I start out like in what a trip, the first chapter, boom, we're right into the action. Um, so, it's just like, I, I want something that's gonna move the story along and that's just how my brain works. It's like, you know, let's just keep going, keep going with the story. And um, at the same time, I don't get bogged down in heavy descriptive paragraphs. I like to use a lot of dialogue because through dialogue, you get to know your characters. Um, Fiona, as I mentioned earlier, is a narrator of the story, so it's told from her point of view. But you also get to understand how the other characters are thinking and feeling and reacting to the situations. Karen, your book is, thank you, uh, Susan. Karen, your book is different, so, very. It's, so it's a very different, but you still have the, the 
places the people and the curious cuisine. How did you put all the pieces together and strike a balance between them? Well, it, it was an interesting process. People had told me from the first book, Travel Mania, that one of the things they loved about it is that they could read a little piece, jump to somewhere else. Oh, I've been to these five places. I want to read about those five first. And it does not need to be read sequentially. It is chronological, but it doesn't have to be read that way. It will make just as much sense if you read bits and pieces of it. Uh, and, and people like that. I've, I've had lots of comments about that one. Um, but the other thing of it is, the, the, when I first started, it was going to be people, places, and food. Why? Because people kept saying, that's what we want to hear more about. You have such amazing stories. Because when you've been traveling as much and as long as I have, you cannot help but accumulate stories. You know, one of the, at the very beginning of the book, I have a quote that I absolutely love, which is, and I'm going to get it exactly. Um, sorry, I'm looking for it here. Um, traveling, it leaves you speechless, then it turns you into a storyteller. And by Ibn Battuta. And it is, it is a fabulous quote because it describes it exactly. And I'm sure, Terry, you've had the same reaction that if you travel enough, you accumulate stories. You can't help but accumulate stories. Um, so it could have been, you know, lots of other things. It could have been fashion, but not. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was fascinating to piece together. Now, Terry, you're the one memoirist in our group today. How did you pick the pieces you picked, and how did they come together for you as a writer? Um, I do talk about our posts overseas and my travels sequentially, although I start at age 40 rather than at 20 when I started traveling and studied overseas in the UK. Um, I have always been a journaler, so I have probably a dozen journals from those years that we lived overseas. And so when I decided that it was time to pull all those threads from my life together and our travels, that it was easy to go back to the journals and pull things out, pull out highlights. Um, but I have to give credit to uh, Brooke Warner at She Writes Press because she's an amazing memoirist coach and she helped me pull out the lessons and dive deeper into the experiences than I had when I was just writing about where we went and what we did. I think that's an amazing uh, piece of working with She Writes Press, isn't it? That you have such a personal relationship and you you develop that, you know, the She Writes Press authors all call themselves She Writes Sisters. And I think Brooke has uh, certainly set the tone for that at her. And we support each other. Like I'm doing yeah. in the next week book events with three other authors from She Writes Press. So, Yeah, it's. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's an amazing experience to be um, with that press. So I'm glad that um, you brought that up, Terry. Amazingly, we are almost out of time. Mary, what would you like people to know more about your book, Those People Behind Us? Well, it's available now in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. Um, you can check out my website, marycamarillo.com. Um, I'm Really excited to get out on the road and do a little bit of a book tour with this book. I didn't get to do that with my first book. So hopefully I'll see some of you out on the road somewhere. Well, that's great. Susan, what would you like people to know about what uh, trip? Well, I just want to say one quick last thing. As far as the history element, 
I think it's important to look at history, not just from the textbooks, but also from the interpersonal points of view. And that's what my book attempts to do. Uh, my book is available on Amazon, all made major retail sellers as an ebook and as a paperback. And until the 20th, you can get the ebook for 99 cents. So, and my website is susanedwardsauthor.com. Thank you, Susan, for being with us. Karen Gershowitz, Wanderlust, Extraordinary People, Quirky Places, and Curious Cuisine. That's a mouthful, isn't it? it is. <laughs> but there you go. Um, yes, it is, as everyone said, it's available just about anywhere that you might want to buy a book. And it, um, the thing that I want people to take away from it more than anything else is that they need to have the experiences themselves. I want people to read it, be inspired, and go out and see the world. Because I think that's the thing that's going to bring everyone closer together <clears throat> when you realize people are not governments, governments are not people, and that people all around the world fundamentally want the same things, which is a really good life for themselves, their children. It may play out in different ways, but we all want the same things. So well, well said. Thank you. Terry, a repack circling home, what I learned from living elsewhere. What else? So I would I would add, add on to what Karen said and say that uh, the world is a fascinating place. It's so every country within every continent is so different and people want to connect. Um, my book is available on all uh, bookshop.org. Amazon in Kindle. Um, and I recorded the book myself for the audio version. So that's available now too. Oh, and my website is terryrepack.com. I want to thank each of you for being with me today. I want to thank each of our listeners as well. I find each of your books incredibly inspiring, whether they're novel, memoir, or travel deliciousness. Um, this, this show has uh, created such a great audience worldwide. It also inspired three books, Launchpad, The Countdown to Writing Your Book, Launchpad, The Countdown to Publishing Your Book, and Launchpad, The Countdown to Marketing Your Book, which I did with the author of Marketing Coach, Mary Helen Sheriff. Mary and I thank each of you for being with us today here on Launchpad. Thanks so much for being here. Thank, thank you. you. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.